There's so many stories of moms and grandmothers saying, I never thought of myself as a leader. I never thought of myself as someone who could speak in public. And then through Mothers Out Front, they find out that they actually are and they can. And we're growing the leaders that we need there to be in the world. How do you fix a gas leak? Is that a rhetorical question, Rajesh? It is, but it's also the question that we will be addressing today with our guest, Zainab Magavi of Mothers Out Front and Heat, and I am Rajesh Kathirangan. I'm Kurt Newton. And I'm Dave Damlur. We're really excited to hear what Zainab has to say about things that are happening right here in our neighborhood in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And here in MIT's Office of Open Learning, we are Climate Conversations. I want to welcome Zainab Magavi. Thank you. It's really cool to be here. Great to have you here, Zainab. Thanks. I'm excited to talk. So, Zainab. Yes. Mothers <laughs> out front. Yeah. Unpack it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does start with mothers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Got <our> first clue there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it's a movement, and it's a movement of mothers. And it's more than even an environmental movement. It's actually a movement of mothers mobilizing to protect their children's future. It's just about our kids' future. Why would you want to protect your children's future? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to restart well, the conversation here? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of parables about like the mama bear and how ferocious they are. Yeah, climate change is a direct threat. And the more we understand that, the more we see it as a closer than we would like to believe threat to our children's future, well-being, health, and political stability of the world. So, And their children's children. And their children's children, future generations. We have a lot of grandmothers involved. It's about care. So how does Mothers Out Front operationalize this one, you know, fantastic intent? So first of all, we're, we're truly grassroots. We started about five years ago at a living room nearby with Cambridge and Somerville teams starting and has moved community to community based in community teams until there were enough communities in Massachusetts that we needed a state team to connect them. And now there are enough states, nine, that we need a national team to connect them. So we've grown very organically from the grassroots. It is entirely centered around moving swiftly and justly to a fossil fuel-free future to protect our children. Well, I'd like to hear a little bit more about the the way you bring people in, the kind of the, the, <laughs> they, the they, connection building approach, because it yeah. seems really powerful. Yeah, yeah well, it, it is entirely relationship-based. Yeah. I mean, one, one thing I think we do really well is tell stories, which is a really great way to communicate. So we actually have narrative training, and we learn to tell a story of what taking action means for us and why we're doing it. And each mother or grandmother comes into it with a different story, but each usually comes concerned and sometimes a bit overwhelmed, thinking they don't know what they can do. I think a lot of people in our society know to some extent what's going on, but they they don't really know what to do, and it's such a huge problem. And so what we're basically offering is that, you know, we work together, and we each do a little bit of what we can do, and together that makes something much larger, and it builds. And so that's the other thing is that it, it builds from these community teams, it builds power to the state, and we can affect change at the state level, and then hopefully 
as we grow will also affect change at the regional and national level. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just offer a testimonial, having been on the listening end of some of those stories. They're really affecting, you know, <laughs> deeply emotionally. Yeah, so. So let's try off. that out yeah. with you. <laughs> you guys didn't warn me. So what, what led you to the present moment in which you're a leader of Mothers Out Front in, the, oh. in Cambridge and elsewhere? Right. About 14 years ago, I held my first Should daughter. start with once upon a time? <laughs> oh, once upon a time would be great. <laughs> 14 years ago, I know exactly. <laughs> I, I held my first child. And those of you who are parents probably know that moment of mm-hmm. looking in their eyes and realizing that this incredible, miraculous little thing is actually relying on you <laughs> to protect them, mm. you to care for them. And it, it's intense. And... I, I did my best. I, like, you know, diapered and I, I put her to sleep or I tried to put her to sleep. I actually failed on that a lot. But it was about when she was two that I started finding out about phthalates and, and flame retardants in her mattress and other environmental exposures that I was unwittingly exposing her to. Mm. And I got really upset. Why um, didn't somebody tell you, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of went a little, um, <clears throat> well... I got into it, and uh, we were renovating a house, and I tried to do it all green and healthy and researched everything that went into the house. Mm. And I felt really pretty good about that, that like I'd, I'd controlled the indoor air of my home. But when I considered the outdoor air, I, I couldn't do anything about it. And I just kind of let that sit in my head until I met Mothers Out Front. And I kind of discovered through them, through starting to go to meetings, that, that actually... Uh, I could. And only with a group. I mean, that's the power of it. So what's Mother's Out Front's theory of change? Like how how <laughs> do you see yourself changing the world? The way I see it, it's a theory of change through collaboration, that grassroots building of power, and it's a theory of change through love and care. And I think it's a really powerful voice. If you've ever seen a politician have to debate slash argue with someone who's telling them that they love their children. Yeah, they can't do it. (laughs) It's a powerful voice. And it's a a voice that we, all of us need. So how is this different from the thousands of other organizations fighting for climate justice and action? Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of differences and some I probably can't capture. But, you know, the the organizational structure that we already discussed, the being grassroots and and, and Mm network-based, not hierarchical. The way that we um, are, are organizing is, is it's actually very much like biomimicry. There's there's iteration and the evolution and repetition that I think makes us much stronger and more resilient. So we try things out and then see how it works yep. and then do and it we better just keep next going. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, in <laughs> at the end of every meeting, we have pluses, deltas, and key learnings. And what that says is th- there's no pluses, minuses. There's only deltas. So if something maybe needs to be changed, we discuss that. Those, those of you who are less math inclined, delta being <laughs> <Sorry>. change, right? <laughs> yes. Do it differently yes. next time. Yeah, try Epsilon something else. being the other. <laughs> <laughs> we really got this part right, but this part we're going to keep trying and see if we can get it even better. And then, and then there's the psychological safety, and I think that comes back to the gender. We, we really have a lot of norms that create a psychological safety for people and allow them to grow and try things they've never tried. I mean, 
I, I think like half the time we're all doing something we don't actually know how to do. And it's okay and we, t- we laugh about it. There's just so, there's so many stories of moms and grandmothers saying, you know, I never thought of myself as a leader. I never thought of myself as someone who could speak in public. And then through Mothers Out Front, they find out that they actually are and they can. And it's totally brilliant. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of we're growing. We're growing the leaders that we need there to be in the world, which is like a twist on the Gandhi quote. But yeah. So it's it's a it's a theory of change that goes way beyond just climate change. It seems like into yeah. know, developing people's you know full native capacity and getting it out there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how it ends up happening. Yeah. So do you find that there are mothers and grandmothers drawn to Mothers Out Front that might not otherwise be active in terms of climate change? I would say a, a large proportion of the people who become active are, are not people who've been active in climate change or anything else. That's fabulous. They are concerned. I mean, the majority of the United States is concerned about climate change, but most people don't see themselves as activists, but they can be a mother out front. Fantastic. So, Zainab, you came into Mothers Out Front and you started, I would say, getting your hands dirty, but really your nose. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So how did you start doing the work on gas leaks? So first of all, we, we weren't the ones that started it. There were some amazing allies who are still working with us who got that first law passed, I think it's 2014, requiring the gas companies to report the leaks annually. And this is state of Massachusetts. State of Massachusetts. So Mothers Out Front really saw Audrey Shulman and Heat's visual. Uh, she Google mapped that data. And we saw that and caught on to the problem. The problem is <laughs> that the natural gas distribution pipes under our streets are really old. And they're leaking natural gas, which is 97% methane. Methane is a greenhouse gas on steroids. So the actual climate impact of this leaked gas is so much bigger than anyone expected. Mm -hmm. And when we started to see the numbers as some more science came out, it looked like of all the gas coming into the state, 2.7% of that is just wasted into the atmosphere. And it's a waste, it costs us money, and it's harmful to the climate. And it's equal to, that entire amount is equal to 10% of the Massachusetts greenhouse gas footprint, which is just enormous for a small and putting that in perspective, that's that wipes out a huge chunk of what we think we've reduced our emissions by. Right? Yeah, yeah, and that's actually something that Audrey said when she she's like, "Oh my God, I have to work on this." Yeah. And so it seemed like something that was doable. Like, okay, let's plug the holes. So we started calling attention to it. Mothers out front in Cambridge. We we organized a campaign to label all the gas leaks in Cambridge. We got a lot of media attention. Again, utilities didn't love that. And it kind of started to build, and that, that spread to other towns. And we, we were able to provide a lot of support for a law, the next law, that was to require the fixing of the largest leaks as a climate hazard, basically, because there had been some research by Margaret Hendricks showing that just a small amount of the leaks were half of all the methane. So we had an opportunity. So we saw it as an opportunity. We thought, OK, we can go after this. We can get them to fix these. 1,100 leaks, and we'll cut our methane in half, and it's going to be great. We got the law passed. We were like, oh, we're done. But actually... <laughs> turns out it's not so turns easy. Out, exactly. <laughs> so it turns out that no one's ever tried to find the largest leaks. 
And the utilities are really good at sensing and caring and learning about explosion hazard. That's how they rank the leaks. That's how they fixed them by priority. Mm. They actually didn't have any systematic way to tell us which ones were the largest ones or to tell themselves. Explosion hazard is because it's contained or something somehow? The yeah, so if you, yeah. if you want to go into it, yeah. like you can have a smaller volume leak that's going into, say, a manhole. And because it's contained space, it becomes an explosion hazard. Whereas if you have, you're in an open field and it's a huge leak, but it's all just kind of going out of the ground, it's never going to be concentrated enough to explode. Thanks, yeah. So, yeah. So clearly you needed to work with the utilities to do everything from sensing the leaks to fixing. Yeah. So here in Cambridge, we just started writing them letters saying, hey, want to sit down and talk? Mm-hmm. And, and what they say? Well, it, it, it did take a, a little while, but we went back and forth and they said, yeah. Wow. And um, yeah, and three moms, December of 2015. Three moms, Audrey, myself, and another, we walked into Eversource headquarters and sat down in a conference room with the president of Eversource Gas and two other executives. And uh, we didn't know what was going to happen at that point. <laughs> and we started by telling them, by doing the Mothers Out Front thing and telling them the stories of our kids. And they had children too. Yes. In fact, Bill Akeley told us about his kids right back. and and. We bonded around that common ground that we, mm. we, we all care for our kids' future. Of course. And if there's something we can do and we can make it a win-win, let's, let's do it. So they agreed by the end of the – we proposed our pilot study to research and figure out how to find those largest leaks, um, try it in Cambridge, and they said yes. And then Columbia Gas said yes. They were amazing. So we got the three largest utilities in Massachusetts to join us in this pilot study, National Grid, Columbia Gas, and – Eversource gas, mm-hmm. and that covers 95% of the gas customers. Wow. And we went out in different parts around the state where HEAT led the research what study. What does HEAT stand for again? Home Energy Efficiency Team. Oh, okay. It's a Thanks. small nonprofit that like packs a powerful punch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was the research lead, and we went out. We had a lot of moms in hard hats. Mothers Out Front was in full support, and out on the utility trucks, and we learned a lot in a short time. This is all as volunteers, right? You were not paid yeah. by anybody. No, it's as volunteers. So every fairy tale has some obstacle, right? Like a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what were the challenges in actually executing on the goals of this project? Oh, it, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to give that impression. In fact, I, I don't think anything ever really is. But when you're all done, you have this nice straight arrow from the beginning to the end. Like, this is what we did. La, 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 la. Story and here line, are the results. Yeah. And it's never like that. It's always back and forth and up and down in a giant squiggle, as, as Leith Sharp says. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we kept having to recenter and re-motivate different groups. And in order to do that, we had to learn a lot of the language and perspective of other groups, like the utilities. And so that switching perspectives was actually a hard thing to do. I found it hard. <laughs> it's not an engineering problem. It, it's <laughs> not. It, it requires a, it's emotional intelligence. Yeah. So it's seeing the world through their eyes? Is that what it amounts to, or is it different than that? A- attempting to. I, I think that's what we all did ar- around the table, is try to kind of open our minds and learn that there's a different perspective on the same mm. problem. Mm-hmm. And understanding how their business works and what their constraints are was really important to finding a way forward that we could all do. So they felt like you appreciated their point of view. 
yeah, we listened and we acknowledged what their parameters were. And, you know, (laughs) there were moments, actually, the guy I was speaking of, president of Eversource Gas, long, long after, he said, you know, that first meeting, I was asked if we needed security guards and and lawyers. (laughs) And, you know, when we got to the negotiation of how to how to figure out the plan for cutting the methane once we had all the data we did have a, a sit down discussion on our side of like okay should we actually like get some real negotiators instead of us and we decided no we'd built the relationships and we trusted in them and it wasn't easy but we actually did it just between the group that had been working all along you know i've always wondered how you were able to keep Mothers out front, for instance, a long-term goal, which is to get us off fossil fuels, off the table, out of the conversation, and just how did you manage to keep <laughs> it focused on this this one problem? Right? You know what? We were actually pretty honest. Uh, they knew what our long-term goal was, okay. and we know what their goals are. Yeah, it, it's you just acknowledge it, and we didn't start by acknowledging it, but we slowly, as we as our trust in each other's working relationship grew we started having more difficult conversations. And for example, (laughs) the first conversation about pipelines was a dance. Yeah. And there were times when any one of us would say, well, actually, we don't agree with that. However, (laughs) and they respected that. They didn't expect differently. That's good to hear that you don't have to check it at the door. But no, you just have to be thoughtful. About I don't it. think we could have been comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, what's the key thing that makes the difference in having those difficult conversations be effective, in your view? I think the shared purpose. We bonded over love for our children and concern for their future. Mm-hmm. That's a shared purpose that cuts across mm-hmm. boundaries across this country, even those big red and blue boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you just keep working from there, and and you, you don't have to talk about all the details that you might disagree on. Mm -hmm. But you do talk about the end goal, then you can keep finding ways around the obstacles towards the end goal, knowing that you, you know, you both want a good future for your kids. So what's next for the Gas Leaks Alliance? (laughs) So I should clarify the groups because I use the word we and it just is a migrating we. So (laughs) (laughs) there's mothers out front, which I've described already. There's the Gas Leaks Alliance, which includes Mothers Out Front and HEAT, which I've mentioned, and many, many other organizations, including some academics, professors, et cetera. All three groups joined together around this Gas Leaks campaign. What's next for the Gas Leaks Alliance would be they are supporting a bill called the Consumer Cost Protection Act, which requires the gas companies to pay for the lost gas as a further incentive to fuel the fixing of the large leaks, which they have, by the way, I need to be very clear. We all agreed on a plan to fix the largest leaks quickly and cut methane in half, hopefully within two years. And we jointly submitted it to the Department of Public Utility and jointly testified, which was quite an unusual event. We're waiting to hear their ruling. So the gas leaks allies are supporting that bill. They're concerned with the Back Bay Pipeline Mothers Out Front is a broad array of things. (laughs) It depends on which community. Every community has their own initiatives. They're all towards the same goal. 
So there's people working on gas leaks. There's people working on renewable portfolio standard. There's people working on energy efficiency in the home. And here in Cambridge, for Mothers Out Front, we're gearing up to launch a campaign called Bringing Paris Home, which is intended to provide support to households to personally commit to the Paris Accord. And it's kind of a a grassroots Paris agreement. And we're really excited about that. I I hope it's going to go well. What what kinds of things might that look like? Oh, some of this. I mean, there's just so many win-wins. It's like the gas leaks campaign. You know, there's there's holes to plug. (laughs) In your windows. Literally. (laughs) Literally, exactly. (laughs) So some of the simplest things, Cambridge has made it easy for us because of the community electricity aggregation. So we're encouraging people to sign up for 100% renewable through Cambridge's plan. We're encouraging people to get a energy audit for their home or condo. If they're renters, we're trying to find other options. So there's very simple beginning things. We're also providing, we're in the structure, we're trying to set up a relationship with a mentor or a buddy, actually, and really make it a larger connection of people taking action. So there's support going back and forth. And each household is just going to have a different set of choices, right? There's, you can't, there's no prescribed set of actions for any one household. So when the campaign is finished, what does success look like for you? So we're really hoping to count all those actions, whatever they are. Oh, okay. And then share that positive story of how small actions across the city can build to something very much larger. That's great. And we've been talking specifically around Cambridge, but a lot of these actions, of course, are available to people oh, no, yeah. almost no matter where they live, right? Right. So a- absolutely. And there's really plenty of opportunities to take action for anybody in terms of Mothers Out Front, it's it's pretty easy. There's community teams all over Massachusetts and elsewhere. And you go to the website and just show up, and you're part of it. But there's a lot of information out there, and there's a lot of things to do. I think, actually, one of the challenges at this point for a lot of people is figuring out which thing to do or which group to call. <laughs> and it can be a little overwhelming, the decision-making. And I, that's that's part of what we're we're trying to do with the Paris campaign is just kind of make it easier. Just get a couple of friends and yeah. don't take this on by yourself. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot easier with friends, isn't yeah. it? Everything's yeah. more fun. Yeah. So is there a, a, a common thread that connects together things like the gas leaks campaigns and the new Bring Paris Back Home campaign? Yeah. So it, it might not sound like it, but it is all the same thing. And the, the thing we're trying to do, get to a fossil fuel-free future is actually not easy, right? Otherwise, it'd be done already in terms of it's a huge system change. And in order to do it fast, we have to do multiple things at the same time. So we have to reduce the amount of energy our society consumes, and we have to increase the amount of renewable energy produced until that production of renewables matches our energy needs. So with the gas leaks, we were just aimed at a clear greenhouse gas reduction. So we're plugging the holes cutting wasted energy in our infrastructure. With the Cambridge campaign, we're actually doing the same thing. We're helping cut waste of energy, this time at the household level, plugging the holes. But we're also adding in the second part, which is increasing the amount of renewables. And it's just, it's gotten a lot easier. And there are ways to do it. So we can actually do both sides of that. So now that Mothers Out Front has spread to many different parts of the country, What's it like to meet mothers from elsewhere? It's actually, when 
a, a lot of us in Mothers Out Front went to the climate march. And this last April in Washington, yeah, D.C. Um, I actually took my oldest daughter. And one of the amazing things was discovering, meeting moms from other teams across the country, from California, from Virginia, and New York, and finding out that somehow they were just as amazing and awesome and inspiring as the moms in Massachusetts. <laughs> and it, it was quite, I, I don't know how to capture it, but somehow the organization kept the same spirit of positive relationship-based change, and there's some amazing women out there. So how does, just to finish up on Mothers Out Front, how does Mothers Out Front see itself in the larger climate movement? So I, I think Mothers Out Front just differentiates itself entirely. We're mothers. Mm. I, I, we don't even really market ourselves as an environmental group. Mm. We're mothers, and we're mobilizing for our children's future. And what we really want to do is unify a, across all the silos of society, because there's mothers in every possible group, right? Mm-hmm. And mothers care about their children. These are like just, we want to take that universal shared purpose mm-hmm. and spur action around that. I mean, I think there's other differences, but I think that's the core one. So do you see it expanding beyond this country? <laughs> there have been requests. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do. That would be very exciting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So Zainab, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. Usually when we end... We ask a question about if you had to think of one way to make the world a better place. Like you had a go at a magic wand once. What would you do? So, I I mean, I just don't think there's one thing alone that's going to solve these problems. But the top of your long list. But <laughs> the my favorite one I've heard was if we could require that every decision at the government, state, local level that's officially made for our society evaluates its impact on the future generations. I think that one thing would actually fix a lot. Mm-hmm. We might want to start with the current federal government, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's something there, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hope that such leadership emerges very rapidly and that Mothers Out Front is one of the many reasons why it happens. It's moving. I I believe it will. Thank you so much. Very inspiring. Thank you. So we've just heard from Zainab that that model of building cooperative relationships, that that just seems really powerful. I'm so glad for the work that they're doing and, and what Zainab's told us about. Right, and it's building partnerships, creating allies, with organizations that you might not normally think would be naturals. And the great thing is there are mothers everywhere in the world. So it's an organization that I believe is going to go far and we'll all be cheering from the sidelines. Yes, indeed. Definitely. I really appreciated the approach that Zeynab talked about in terms of trying some stuff out, uh, learning lessons, and trying it again. I think we could all benefit from that approach. Yeah, We're certainly doing it here. <laughs> Meanwhile, if you have any thoughts on how we should be trying new methods, you are welcome to reach us at climatex.mit.edu 
on Twitter and Facebook or on our site. Yeah, thanks for listening. 